0: Today's guest is Christine McDaniel, founder of The Magnolia Firm, a boutique M&A brokerage helping business owners achieve the perfect exit. After founding, growing, acquiring, and selling 20 plus of her own businesses across several verticals, including cleaning, wellness, beauty, technology, exotic cars, and real estate, Christine realized that there was a formula behind the perfect business sale and now dedicates her full-time attention on helping others do the same. She's been recognized with numerous awards throughout the years, including the Small Business Administration Business Person of the Year in 2009 and Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Brilliant Companies for her first venture, Cleanology. And while she's an absolute powerhouse when it comes to business, she's not the stuffy suit you'd expect. She has this bright, positive vibe to her personality, which makes perfect sense when you hear that in her free time, you can catch her at live music festivals, spontaneous travel spots around the world, attending Burning Man, or playing boat captain in the beautiful San Diego Bay. In this episode, she's going to run us through the must-haves for a successful exit, and it's easier than you think whether you can sell your business, even if you're currently the face of it, the value of your company and what you can expect to make in the market and a whole lot more. If you wanna learn more about selling your business, make sure you check the show notes for all of her social links. She shares some really great information on Instagram. And of course, if you wanna learn more about working with her, you can do that on her website. She typically only works one-on-one with businesses who are netting at least 250K in profit but she does have some opportunities for smaller businesses, which she'll talk about today as well. All right, I'm going to stop rambling. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Christine. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jessica. So glad I could come on today. I'm excited to have you here. And I have already done your intro and told people about your business and all that, but I would love to just hear from you and your words why we should listen to anything you have to say today.
1: Well, I mean, I guess you could turn off the podcast, but (laughs) so I've always got some crazy fun stories I try to incorporate and I'm really big on creating value for the people that are taking the time to listen to us. So hopefully tips and tricks that they can actually implement into their business.
0: What a great answer to that question. And I love me some actionable things. So I'm super excited for this conversation which today we're talking about how you can sell, or in fancy terms, exit your business. And Christine and I had a pre-chat before recording, and one of the things we talked about was whether or not you can sell your business if you are the face of your brand. I know this is something people are concerned about, so I'd love to remove that fear right off the bat. Christine, what's your position on that, and how have you seen this play out in the marketplace?
1: Okay. So being the face of the company, I mean, I think at the very beginning, you have to be. And even for my wellness spa, I was the face of the company the whole way through for five years and sold it. But I kind of faded myself out towards the end so that it was a team and it was more of the brand Eco Chateau, not Christine. So I was very cognizant of that. And I was able to pull that off. We have three e-com businesses I could give examples on. So the first one, the founder was the face all over, without a doubt, even had a podcast. And the buyer took that over and they did a really cute kind of transition handoff. Obviously the owner's gonna introduce the new owner on social media. They did some funny things where they like took the hat of the you know, logo with the company on it. She threw the hat to the new person and caught it. Love that, love that. So just a big, exciting Hey, I'm handing the business off. This is the owner. These are the improvements she's going to make. You're going to love her. And then that buyer introduces herself. And it's so funny. Every single time, myself included, whenever I sell one of my companies, I'm like, oh my God, I'm dreading telling my clients. I'm just like, oh no, (laughs) like I'm friends with some of them or just love them. And are they going to get mad? And every single time, no fail. And even with my clients, it gives me chills still. Like we posted socially, we posted publicly. They would congratulate me. We're so proud of you. Remember when you started five years ago, you're going to be missed, but we're happy for you. That was like the message through and through same with this person. And anybody that can reach out to me on LinkedIn and I could share, I have links to her posts, how she pulled it off really well. And then you'll see all the comments I'm like, congratulations, because she had the same worry. So that's one example. The next example, the seller is the face again, subscription box business, e-com. And the buyer was super introverted. And that was her biggest worry. And we always say, Hey, get, like an influencer in the space, or the best thing is get like a current customer. They're so passionate about your product that maybe they'll be the face. And that's exactly what happened. This buyer did a little one Instagram. Hi, this is my name, but I'm really shy and I'm behind the scenes and we're going to have some great people stepping in. And that's what she did. So that was really cool. And then the next one, which we have listed right now, another amazing subscription box business for arts and crafts so she, the same exact thing, extremely introverted, not the face of the company. You can watch her little demo YouTube videos. And I think it's even somebody else voicing over. I don't even think it's her voice if I'm thinking back. And again, when you're selling the business, that's good. That's what you want because then that's not an objection. There's no face of the company. It's just the company is the face, the brand.
0: Yeah. So guys, if you are currently the face of your brand and your plan is to eventually sell it I don't want you to feel like that is necessarily going to be a hindrance. Maybe it's going to make it a little bit harder to find the right buyer, or you're going to have to tweak things a little bit and phase yourself out at the end, but keep doing what you're doing right now. It's totally fine. And, you know, I know I've mentioned this to you guys before, but like Coco Chanel, she ain't around, but her brand is still really strong. And you see that all the time. So thank you, Christine, for giving us those examples. Now we can move on (laughs) to some of the more nitty gritty stuff. And I did get some questions. From the e commerce pedestrian community as well. But let's just kind of start at the beginning. If someone does want to sell their business, like what are the things that they need to have in place? What is the expectation in the market? What should they be preparing for?
1: To get maximum value, here's a few tips out the gate. Okay, we kind of talk about unwrapping it from around you, if possible, take delegate, build a strong team that's sticking around systems in place without a doubt, a playbook, please don't have it in your head. And again, I know startups, we all have it in our head, that playbook or standard operating procedures, whatever you guys want to call it, operations manual. It's a living doc. Don't ever think that thing's ever going to be done. It's not. (laughs) Every week my team is adding to it. We're adding to it on a consistent basis. It's saved in my favorites tab. I could click, boom, plug something in because things are always going to change and grow. It's a living document. So those would be big ones for sure. And also that net profit. So I made this mistake as a young little entrepreneur and I wanted to hit the million dollar gross revenue number and I did everything I could to do. That's all I cared about. Spend money on marketing, spend money, spend money, spend money. Well, there was nothing at the bottom at the end of the day. And that's fine for the first couple, of two years at most. But after that, you need to make money. Otherwise it's like a charity, Right. And so once you get that skill, you get it off the ground, then there should be money on the bottom line. There should be net profit. And that's essentially what people are buying, to be honest. We only deal with cash flowing businesses. If it's not cash flowing, it's going to be extremely, extremely hard to sell. So that's a big one. And then your reputation, that's the most important. In my opinion, that's super hard to fix. We just had one. We couldn't take the client on. It wasn't e-com, but service-based. I mean, the most horrific reputation I've ever seen in my life, it's like one star on even Glassdoor, which here's a little hack for everybody, is get your team members to write a review on Glassdoor, whether they're with you now or whether they left obviously the happy ones. As team members is working for your team, you know, the buyer's going to read all those. Yelp, Google, Facebook, just a spectacular reputation. If you guys need a comp product or services, comp product or services to keep people happy, I've done it. Like bend over backwards. That adds a lot of value to the point where you can get a higher than average multiple. And that's what's happened to me multiple times.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. Because If someone is buying a business, it's because they don't want to do the work of starting from scratch, building the customer base, creating that positive reputation. So they're not going to buy your business if all of that is in the toilet, they might as well just go start their own. Because honestly, it's so much easier to start a new business than it is to repair one, right?
1: You are not kidding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that is super important. Speaking of multiples, and I'm sure that there are so many variables that go into this, but is there just some sort of general range you can give us for what people can expect to get?
1: Again, strong companies we're seeing right now between three to four is pretty average right now. Inventory, everybody listening, just sell that inventory separately. A lot of times people are including it, but I'm always getting them to pay separately. So like any of your inventory you have on hand, the day it closes, they're going to pay you separately, but they're going to pay you wholesale value, like what you paid. Worst case, it's a bargaining chip. Let's say they pay you full price you throw it in, right? Okay. Here's full price cash, but can you throw in the inventory? Of course. So that is important on the deal also. So yeah, three to four, I think for strong company and that's your net income. So let's clarify that too. So that's your profit. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yes. Very important guys. This is why, chasing that carrot to get that really high revenue number. Like Christine said, you know, yeah, I'm hitting the million dollar mark, but like there's nothing left over. And that really is the most important part. So, you know, maybe you're only doing 600 grand right now, but you may actually be netting more than that million dollar business. So pay attention to your profit more than your revenue, please, please, please. So, so important. Are there any other things that buyers consider, like maybe the size of the email list or the engagement on social, or is it really just about that net profit number?
1: Oh, there's so many things. And that's why evaluations are art and a science. There are just so many things, you know, we've got this in-house, we've got this like amazing checklist of like how we could bump the multiple tiny bit more, tiny bit more, tiny bit more. Same thing you said, how big is the social media? What's the engagement? If you're buying followers, people see right through that, don't do that. Your email database, get as many as you can. Do you have a podcast that's gonna be sold with the business? Great. And then back real quick before I forget on that net profit, include your ad backs. You're gonna add back because sometimes this happened to me too. When I sell a business, we've got healthy net. I sell it for a great amount of money. I get a bunch of money in my account. But then I forget. And we did my little ad backs on the calculations when we sold the business. So the owner saw, oh, Christine's really taking this much total. Okay. Then I sold the business. And then every time I can't believe this, that I realized, oh my God, I forgot all the stuff that I had paid out of the business, not personally. Because again, you're doing a budget, you're starting from ground zero, your monthly cash flow is gone. And then you've got these expenses. So I'm like, oh, like the medical insurance, my car payment, my insurance, like, I mean, there's a bazillion things that for tax reasons, we run through the business, totally cool. But just keep that in mind when you're done with the business.
0: Oh yeah, those ad backs are really important when it comes to selling the business and getting a handle on the true net profit. Just like when you go get a mortgage as a self-employed person, there are all sorts of ad backs they'll do to see how much money you actually make. But then, (laughs) like you said, as the person who sold your business and weren't necessarily paying all of those expenses out of your pocket, don't forget that cash you just got from the sale has to start paying for those too. Great things to remember. Okay. So I wanted to get into a couple of questions from the e-commerce badassery community. And this was a really interesting one, which is why I want to start with it. So let's say someone has this business. How do they know that it's worth selling versus should they just close it? You know, we're
1: so picky with the listings, but we've highlighted a few e-com businesses recently that didn't have revenue yet. But we're brilliant ideas and the owner puts some money in and maybe somebody wants to pick it up at least for something. And even if it's like a rev share model where the person taking it over is just going to pay you a percentage every time they sell something. Again, reach out through LinkedIn. I'm great about that platform. And my team helps me manage my messages because maybe we can spotlight you in our rapid acquisition club, which is a really fun way we put sellers on and it's monthly. We'll put about four sellers on. We have a whole room of buyers that are ready to buy a business and the seller pitches their business. And again, we're putting people on there that we can't necessarily take on as clients. So let's say we don't go that route. And I've had this. Some people are so upside down on their business, like horribly. They bought $100,000 worth of inventory before they released pre-launched and they can't sell any of it and they're going to have to file bankruptcy because it's just, nobody's going to take that on. It's such a liability for somebody to take it on. And I never suggest bankruptcy. It's like last, last, last resort. But with that case, it was so bad and upside down. Like she had to, I was like, you're going to have to talk to a bankruptcy lawyer about this one. Yeah. And so asking around if somebody wants to take it over, if it's not in bad shape. So yeah, there's a couple options.
0: Got it. Okay. So even if you are relatively small, maybe someone just doesn't want to start from scratch, or maybe they want to be an entrepreneur, but like they can't think of anything and you thought of something really great. So that may be enough to get a little money out of it. Probably not going to be a ton if you don't have a ton of net profit to show, but still possible. So that's good. Thank you for that little bit of hope. Yes, of course. Yes, I appreciate that. This was another one that came through. Someone had heard this on another podcast, actually, about a woman who sold her business, but then stayed on in a creative capacity. Is that something that you see happen?
1: Yeah, we have. The arts and crafts one, that person, because they do 3D printing of the actual molds and it's custom each month, and she likes doing the design part. She wants to go travel the world and has got to fit in with her schedule, but she might stay on part-time. She's willing to do the creative still if needed. So no, that's a great way. And for her, she wants to be paid hourly as a consultant to do that. Or maybe the person's taking equity in the company in order to do that. Yeah, I see that a lot.
0: Yeah, that's awesome because some people, and I especially find this in the small business e-com industry is people start something because they love a product or they love to do this thing, but then they figure out they kind of hate the business part of it. (laughs) So if they can just kind of do that little teeny part that they love and not have to do any of the rest of it, that could be a really good fit for you as well. And then the last question that came through was in terms of someone like you, Christine, right? The broker who's going to help them kind of figure all this out and find the buyers and do all of that. Is there sort of an expectation in terms of expenses? Is it based on the selling price? Is it a flat fee? How does that usually work?
1: For somebody like us coming in to help with the transaction, it's a little bit different. Some people have set up fees and some don't. So for us, we come in, we do ask for $20,000 setup fee right up front. We are doing so much to package your business, to go to market. It's not even funny. I don't even think that 20000 covers it, to be honest. We are doing a full-blown pitch deck, data rooms, cleaning up financials so we could present them in a certain way, like across the board, tons of work up front, a lot of marketing, ad copy, putting it on platforms, paying for lists that so we're going to have to pull lists for outreach. So 20000 up front. And then we do a success fee on the end, which is a percentage of the sale. And that's tiered based on the asking price, obviously. But the good news on the 20,000 is that we actually put it towards your success fee as a credit, or we refund it within 12 months because we're so confident we sell companies like very quickly. So let's say we don't sell the company within 12 months, then we just refund the 20K back and you could still stay listed with us, but at least you have that back if we don't. But again, we're so confident. It doesn't matter. (laughs)
0: I love that. (laughs) That's so awesome. Well, Christine, I know you have very limited time. So thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to make sure the audience hears today, either things they should absolutely do if they're thinking about selling their business, or if you like to take the negative approach, things they should absolutely avoid.
1: Well, I'm a positive person. So let's go positive. So <laughs> for sure, Jessica, and I know that's what you do, that's your specialty. And you didn't tell me to say this, but I've spent a fortune on coaches and consultants. And it was so worth it on the exit. There's no doubt in my mind, one third of the exit price was attributed to the help that they came in the company and they fixed things. So whether you're getting somebody on board to get everything lined up for that exit, you're like, okay, this is when I want to exit, or this is the price, reverse engineer it, bring somebody in like Jessica to actually make that happen. Or when we were talking earlier about this standard operating procedures playbook for the company, get the stuff out of your head. The only way I've ever been able to do it every single time is typically outside consultant has to come in and we have to do it together. And they've done so many so they can guide me because somebody has to sit me down and literally take everything out of my head in the beginning. So that's a massive advice across the board.
0: Yeah. I love that. Especially just bringing in that outside person to help you get it set up and really prepping for that sale. Just like when, if you've ever sold a home, you're going to paint it. You're going to fix things. Like you're really just packaging it up in a nice, pretty bow to entice that new buyer. And you're not necessarily doing it all yourself because you don't know how, and that's okay. You don't have to know <laughs> everything. Just get people to friggin' help you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Thank you again, Christine, for being here. Can you please tell the audience where they can find you, learn more about you, or just learn from you?
1: Yeah, for sure. And like I said, the clients we're taking on are at least listing for a million dollars above about 250000 net profit, bare minimum for us to consider to take you on as a client. However, if you're upside down, you're not profitable, et cetera, still reach out. Again, me personally, LinkedIn is great. But as far as our firm, it's the magnoliafirm.co. And we have an amazing team that can, anybody can help you.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. And Christine also shares a ton of educational content on social. So if you want to dive in deeper, learn more about her, you can check out those channels as well. I will put all of her links in the show notes. And of course, thank you for hanging out with us today. I know you could be anywhere on the internet. I appreciate that you spend your time with me. I hope you have a kick rest of your day and I'll see you on the flip side.